This message comes to you from Withenshaw Community Church, Manchester. We hope that you are inspired and challenged by God's Word. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, it's wonderful to be here once again to preach God's Word. I want to thank Pastor Mike for giving me the opportunity uh, to preach God's Word this morning. Also, my Heavenly Father, for this wonderful privilege. It is a privilege to stand and preach God's wonderful and marvelous Word. So can we just pray before we, we begin? Can we just pray and ask God for help? Because we need help, you see. We need help to receive His Word. His Word is powerful, but we need to receive it with our hearts and our minds open. So let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you once again for this wonderful opportunity you've given us to receive your word. And we know that you have something special for every one of us. And we pray that we will purpose, as we hear your word, we will purpose not to be just hearers, but doers of your word. Holy Spirit, you help us this morning. You be our teacher and anoint my lips as I speak the precious word of God this morning. And we believe that this word will fall on good soil. We give you praise. We give you glory. All the honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, the subject of my message this morning is leadership. Now, don't switch off because you may think you're not a leader. But let me tell you, every person in this place, everyone sitting in this place is a potential leader. Each one of you is a potential leader. You know, when God, when Jesus gave the mandate to go and disciple nations, he wasn't speaking to a selected group of Christians, but he was speaking to all those like us who have received him and who have committed ourselves to follow him. So, we were never meant as Christians to just passively sit on the fence. We were not meant to passively sit and watch others lead. But actually, we were meant to be actively involved in seeing cities and nations dis dis discipled and to see them being impacted by the kingdom of heaven. And we are called as Christians to rebuild broken cities and nations and see them impacted by the glory of God. That's our calling. You know, as followers of Jesus, we have this great mighty responsibility and this marvelous, uh, marvelous, uh, you can say, a privilege to share God's love, to share God's power with everyone around. So actually, we should be declaring the goodness of God. We must be people displaying the joy that we have in our lives, that we have received by virtue of the Heavenly Father giving us that joy as His loving children. So it's, it's more than just coming to church. 
it's more than just coming coming to the church spending an hour or so and going home it's more than coming for a meeting as such yesterday we had a great AOG zonal meeting assemblies of god zonal meeting and we had a fabulous speaker yesterday called Grayson Jones and he was talking about church is talking about the difference between a, a cruise ship and a battleship if brother joseph you can put that picture up on the screen a cruise ship and a battleship what's the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship now a cruise ship when we go into a cruise ship we are there to be served we go in there and we have all the comforts laid out in front of us nothing for us to do all we have to do is go and enjoy ourselves enjoy the scenery we're just passengers in the cruise ship but on the other hand the battleship is much much different in a battleship you got things to do there are orders being flung to you to do the crew has to be alert the crew has to be disciplined the crew has to make sure that they do their jobs because the enemy can come the enemy can come and destroy the ship so the crew is responsible for the safety of the battleship and not only that they are also responsible to make sure they can invade into enemy territory make inroads into enemy territory and it's the same with the churches you can have a church where we have people who come in just to be served and they come and they go on the other hand you can have people who are like a members of a crew of a battleship and they are all out for the lord all out for the kingdom of god doing things for god making sure everything is ship shape not only to defend against the enemy because we have an enemy don't forget we have an enemy who's prowling around to devour those who he might or he can not only to defend but also to make inroads go into areas territories where the enemy has taken hold in the community that's the church he was talking about that we need to be so we're not just to be passive spectators in the church we all have been called to be potential leaders in the church so the title of today's message is becoming the leader that god wants you to be becoming the leader that god wants you to be you know john maxwell the famous author and pastor he writes in his book developing the leader in you he says leadership is influence nothing more and nothing less now if that is true then we are all leader leaders because we all carry a measure of influence when we go to our school for instance when we go to our workplace in our home with our friends we have a measure of influence so we are all leaders and god has asked us to steward this influence and use it to see people and cities impacted for his kingdom now sadly people assume that leaders are born leaders they assume that a leader must have certain characteristics certain personality in order to be a leader they must have a commanding voice or they must have a good personality 
or they must be uh, able to speak in front of a large group of people, be bold enough. But that's not true because you can have people like that with all those advantages, but they will not be necessarily good leaders. And that's the problem. So when we say, I can't do this job or I'm not qualified for this job or I'm not having sufficient knowledge of this job to do it, are we making excuses not to work towards becoming a leader? See, God knows you more than you know yourselves. And God can use you in a mighty way in spite of your defects, in spite of your insufficiencies, in spite of the things that you lack, God can use you in a mighty way. And the Bible is full of people. If you read the Bible, the Bible is full of people with flaws, with defects, with disadvantages that God has used. For example, let's let me name a few. Jacob was a cheater. David had an affair. Paul was a murderer. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran away from God. Miriam was a gossip. Thomas was a doubter. Gideon was insecure. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Abraham was old. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, was short, and Lazarus was dead. So, so, you know, God can use you no matter in what position you are in. God can use you. And here you are in a better place than Lazarus because you're alive this morning. I hope you are, but I hope you are alive. But yes, God can use you in, in a mighty way, no matter your insufficiencies, no matter what you lack in. So let that not come against you. God is looking for those who will prepare themselves to lead. Because God needs leaders in his kingdom. God needs leaders in his kingdom. So if you're not a, in inverted commas, born leader, don't count yourself out. You're still in the race to become a leader. Amen. So let's this morning briefly look at one person from the Old Testament, and that is Moses. You know, because Moses is considered to be the greatest leader in the Old Testament. Okay? Have you heard of Moses, anybody? Amen. Okay, but was Moses a born leader? Hardly. Hardly. In fact, he was a reluctant leader. He was reluctant. He didn't want to be having that, that role at all. According to him, he did not have a voice that would command attention or respect. He was not a talented speaker. He was not an eloquent orator. See what he says in uh, Exodus 4 and verse 10. He says this to God. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. That's, his, that's how he looks at himself. And when he was young, when Moses was young, he did some things very rash. 
his behavior was very rash and he tried to solve problems using his own strength. We can see that in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12. Moses looked this way and then that. When he realized there was no one in sight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. So that's a very rash way of going about things, isn't it? Using his own muscle, using his own strength to solve a problem. When he was older also, he wasn't believed to be very eloquent or a good speaker. In fact, no one listened to him. In many cases, no one listened to him. Neither the Israelites listened to him, nor the Egyptians listened to him. So he did not believe in himself either. It says in uh, Exodus 6.12, Moses says to God, Look, the Israelites won't even listen to me. How do you expect Pharaoh to listen to me? And besides, besides, I have this great problem because I stutter and I stammer. So he didn't believe in himself. So this begs the question. It begs the question, why on earth did God choose Moses? Why did God choose a man like Moses for such an important job? Would you choose someone like that? I would not. Because I would be looking for something else. But that's what we're going to see this morning. Why Moses qualified to be a leader for such an important position. So the first point is, the first point is that God does not choose according to how people choose people. God does not choose according to how you and I choose people. See, Moses had a brother. You know his name? Aaron. Now Aaron, from the outside, was more suitable to become the leader of the Israelites because he was much older, he was more matured, he was a good speaker. And we can see later on he was a person who was very creative. And using his creativity, he would appease the people. You know the incident when Moses goes to the mountain for days and doesn't come back? What happens? The people get impatient and they go to Aaron saying, where is this guy Moses? We want you to make us a god. So what does Aaron do? He uses his creativity and asks them, get your gold earrings. Then he melts this gold and then he makes a calf of gold. So he's someone who appeases people. And many people like that. Many people like when their suggestions are, the leader follows their suggestions. People like that. So. He was more qualified from the outside to become the leader instead of Moses. But God does not choose according to man's standard. You see, the time when God was, wanted to select a king after Saul, the prophet Samuel goes to David's house, and there's Eliab, the big brother, Mature, tough, strong, ideal candidate for becoming a king. But what does God say to Samuel? In 1 Samuel 16, 
verse 7 looks aren't looks aren't everything don't be impressed with his looks and stature i've already eliminated him god judges persons differently than humans do men and women look at the face god looks into the heart so eliab was eliminated there because god looks at people differently so history history will tell us that god's ways are the best ways just imagine what if aaron became the leader of the israelites what if he became the leader you know the golden calf incident shows how susceptible he was to people's opinions how quickly he changed things and you know he was also willing to give in to popular demand when people would have come to him saying oh we want to go back to egypt okay okay fine let's go back to egypt that would have been his 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 statement there that that would have been his stand because he was so eager to make people happy to appease people and to fall into people's demand and god knew that and that's why aaron was not the leader so although moses did not have the qualities of a good leader there were things that in his life that god saw that qualified him to become that leader see god saw things in him his keen desire to help people of god we can see in in acts chapter 7 verses 23 to 25 when he was 40 years old it came into his heart to visit his brothers the children of israel and seeing one of them being wronged he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the egyptian he supposed that his brothers would understand that god was giving them salvation by his hand but they did not understand so you see his heart for the people he had a heart for the people of god he had a compassion for those who were suffering he knew someone had to deliver the people of israel from bondage right at that time he knew that and god knew that so when you and i are assigned a job to do and you think that you're not qualified you're underqualified there are better people suitable for that job but you've been assigned to do it don't run and don't don't hide away because god is giving you that for a reason there's a reason why god is giving you that opportunity if god is giving you that opportunity surely 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 there's something behind that jeremiah 29:11 says i know what i'm doing god saying i know what i am doing i have it all planned out plans to take care of you not to abandon you plans to give you the future you hope for so there's a future for each one of us here in god's kingdom there is a future and god is calling you god is giving you a task to do don't run away don't hide from that just do it no matter whether you feel you're qualified for it or not if god is giving you that he knows what he's doing number 2 god uses tasks for training purposes often we are like moses who say why me lord why you're giving me this impossible task to do you know but we may while we may think that others may be more qualified more suitable than me why are you giving me this job but actually god is training you god is sending you to a place where you're being trained to learn things 
For example, we might be being trained to increase our faith. See, when Moses was in Pharaoh's palace and doing all those miracles, miracle after miracle, what do you think was happening to his faith? Was it decreasing or was it increasing? It was increasing. Why? Because he was seeing the magnificent power of God. He was seeing the miracles happening, the breakthroughs happening. His faith was going, enlarging and enlarging and enlarging. And that's what God wants to do with us. He gives us opportunities. When we take that, he leads us and he builds up our faith. Moses was so much in faith towards the end of his life, just before he died, he says this in Deuteronomy 33, 29. Blessed are you, Israel. Who is like you? A people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. Can you see the contrast there? Can you see the confidence that he has in the, in, in the Lord? Can you see before he was scared? He thought everything he has to do. How is he going to do it? Impossible. But realized, he soon realized that it's not him. It's God who's doing it. And then he, sees, he says there, we are blessed. We see the confidence of faith. The faith level has gone up. And that's what he says just before he dies. And that's the difference. And that's where God wants us to reach. Yes, we may be there now. But God wants us to reach up there. And he will, if you take the opportunity, if you say yes to him, he will lead you through. Secondly, God might be training us to do greater tasks. He might have given you a small task now. But he's training you to go for a bigger challenge in the future. Because you need training to do that. So what you may be doing now might be very insignificant. But God has a purpose behind it. Be faithful in small things, isn't it? The Bible says in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. One who is faithful in very little, very, very little, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So he's, tra he's training us in smaller tasks, like Moses was trained. Forty years, he was like a shepherd. He was a shepherd tending to the sheep. What did he do there? He learned how to tend, how to feed, how to lead the sheep. Because God knew in this very soon he's going to come to a time where he's going to be in a position to lead, to feed, and tend to God's people. So God was training him as a shepherd to get that training, to get that experience of how to tend to sheep. Because people were like sheep. They didn't know where they were going. So that experience was valuable. So in a church context, in a church context, what does it mean? Doing duties like being a Bible study leader, organizing fellowships, helping in the kitchen, doing the assuring, cleaning, all these things might be insignificant, but it's a start to a bigger place. So we should never be ashamed, never be hesitant to do these things if God is giving you the opportunity. In fact, you need to grab it. I can tell you my own experience. When I came here, I came here in 2001, and... Uh, I had no, no desire to preach. I had no desire to be a leader. I never even uh, imagined that I would be a leader one day in this place. I didn't want to preach. I was scared. 
to even talk to a group of people, my teachers will tell you that I was tongue-tied. I would freeze when I have to speak to a group of people. Now, if my some of my teachers see me, the, the non-Christians, if they see me now, they'll start believing in Jesus because they see me now differently, in a different light. But when I came, we had the service in that smaller room where we have the tea and coffee. And in the corner, there was a there was a record player. And Pastor Mike asked me to record the messages every Sunday. We used to have these. Anyone remembers these? We used to have these. And I used to sit there and from the start of the service, press the record button. And then after the message is over, put it off. And then I used to go home. And then I used to, take a, I used to make a printout. I got a sample here. This is a sample of what we used to have. I used to do that there. See, that says, that's a message saying, having a healthy attitude towards relationships by Pastor Mike O'Connor. And that's, that says, Crossacres Pentecostal Church. That's the church we were named before. And if you see inside, what I used to do is, I used to write details of, sorry, write details of what the message was all about. Now, this one says, recorded on 6th of February, 2003. That's 15 years ago. So I used to make these every Sunday. And the next week, I used to get all these tapes and lay them on the table in that room, in the tea coffee room, after the service, for people to take home. Because we never had a website then. We never had internet then. All that we had was these things. So this was like gold at that time. So people would come. People would come and take stuff, but not all would take some. Some would just come and say, okay, okay, fine, okay. But I mean, Pastor Mike, Mary, they appreciated me. A few others appreciated me. But I wasn't looking for appreciation. I was just doing my assignment. My assignment there, then, was just to get the tapes sorted, just to make sure that these were there. And I did this for about two years. Two years we did this. So. What I'm trying to say, the point I'm trying to make is, it was insignificant for some people. Some people didn't care what this was all about. Just a few people cared. But if I had got discouraged by that, I would have stopped. But I did not. I continued week after week and week after week. And I know there are some here in this place who are doing things that people are not noticing. People, some might notice, some may not. But that doesn't mean that God is not noticing. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have his eyes on you. You may be in a corner today, but tomorrow, before you know it, if you are faithful, if God realizes that God can trust you, that you are a faithful person, you are a trustworthy person, then God will just lift you up and put you elsewhere in another nice, nice place. You would never even imagine that. That is our God. And that's why I'm trying to make this point here, not to hesitate to do things for the Lord. No matter which corner you might find yourself in, God will notice you as long as you are faithful. Number three, God chooses imperfect people to show his glory. Imperfect people, not perfect, imperfect people. You can see God worked through an imperfect person like Moses to deliver the people of Israel, to demonstrate his glory. Although Moses stuttered and stammered and faltered in his speech, what did God say to him? I will make you like God before Pharaoh. 
It says in Exodus 7.1, he says, Look at me, I will make you as a god to Pharaoh. That's a great thing. A person who can not speak properly, a person who, can't, who can only stammer and stutter and falter, God is saying, I will make you as God in front of Pharaoh. What a privilege that is, isn't it? Wow. And when he was unable to provide people with food in a desert, they were hungry and complaining. What did God do? He rained down mana, quails from heaven, didn't he? And when people came against him as well, Korah led the rebellion against Moses. What did God do? He quenched that mighty rebellion. So God is on his side. God is always on our side. God blessed Moses. God made all provisions for Moses that would make him successful. So if God today is willing to help you, all you need to do is say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use me. Use me, Lord. See, if Moses had continued and continued to resist that opportunity at the beginning, he would never, never, ever have fulfilled his destiny as the great deliverer of Israel. We would not even know who Moses was. You know, of course, we need to, we need to understand that no leader is perfect in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Even Moses made a mistake. Even Moses disobeyed God and he lost the chance to go into the promised land. People have made mistakes. Even in today's society, leaders, some great, great leaders, they make mistakes. They have faults. They have imperfections. So if you are going to base your, uh, I mean, want to uh, keep someone as a role model, it's difficult because they all have their imperfections. If you follow someone who's having a imperfection, you will develop that imperfection also. But let me tell you, there is no finer example for Christian leadership than Jesus Christ, than our Lord Jesus Christ. If we follow the model of Jesus, we can then become the leader that God wants us to be. So there are three things I want to cover about Jesus that if we can follow, we can become the leader that will help us to become the leader that God wants us to be. So the first thing is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. In Matthew 7, 16, 20, it says, you will know them by their fruit. Do people get bunches of grapes from thorny weeds? Or do they get figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces what? Good fruit. And every rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a rotten tree can't produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruit. Now, as a leader, people will see you by the fruitfulness in your life. That's what people will gauge and look at you as and, and, and measure you as a, as a leader. And this fruitfulness will only come through continuous communion with God, by seeking God, by being intimate with God, keeping a lifestyle of spending time with him, time to worship him, time to pray, time to read his word. So it's not easy. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of sacrifice by fasting, praying, 
we, we can see the fruitfulness, not only in our lives, but also in our ministry as well, wherever we are. And Jesus used to spend time like this. Jesus is a role model because he spent time like this with his father. Even though he had a busy day, all day he would walk and walk and do things, do miracles. But at the end of the day, in the night, he would make sure that he would spend time with his father. And what happens the next day? Because he spent time with his father, the next day we see him walking again with miracles, doing miracles, doing wonders and signs. That's the difference. So we see the fruitfulness of Jesus' ministry as a result of his intimacy with the Father during the night time. And therefore his life was a life of miracles. And he was tired as well. And, but he never let that bother him. So the more that you spend time, you and I spend time in our bedroom, on our knees, in a private room, on our knees, the more time we spend with God like that, the more fruitfulness you will show in the ministry and among the people. That is the secret of Jesus' ministry. One of the secrets. Next one is obedience. See, Jesus was perfect in obedience because we know he obeyed his Father to lay down his life for us. Why, why would he lay down his life for us? His father told him to. So he was obedient to that point. John 8, 29. Jesus says, He who sent me is with me. He doesn't leave me by myself because I always do. Not sometimes, I always do what makes him happy. So if something makes the father happy, Jesus is right on the job. Right on it. No hesitating. If that is going to make my father in heaven happy, then that's what I'm going to do. No second opinion. No doubt. No confusion. Yes, that's where I'm going to go. A good example is when Lazarus was sick. You know, Lazarus was sick, the brother of Mary and Martha. He was sick and the news came to Jesus that Lazarus was sick and Jesus was a friend, good friend of Lazarus. Now, when someone gets the news about someone sick, what would you do? You would immediately go, wouldn't you? You would go and rush and see, oh, let's see. Let's pray for that person. And Jesus is a man of compassion. But the Bible says that he stayed on for two more days. He didn't go, despite knowing the fact that Lazarus was very sick. Now, I believe that he would have had a chat with his heavenly father to ask Father, I'm here now. Should I go? Should I not go? And the father would have told him, hold on for a couple of days because I'm going to do something when you go after two days in the life there, in Lazarus' life, to show my glory. Yes, by the time you go, he's going to be dead. Imagine Jesus hearing that. A good friend of mine is going to die. The agony in his mind, but no. Because my father said, stay, I will stay. That's where the obedience comes. And we know when he goes later, Lazarus is already dead. People are crying and weeping. And, we say, and he says, Jesus wept as well. Jesus wept because he saw the people weeping. Oh, his good friends, 
sisters weeping, all the other people weeping. And, but he knew that he's going to be resurrected anyway. But that thought of that, seeing that agony in their hearts, that, that distress in their hearts made him weep as well. So even though he was a person of compassion, he was a person of obedience as well. And we need to be like that as well. And the finally, before we close, the third one is humbleness. It's not about me. It's not about I. Jesus always, always, always glorified the Father. John 6, 3, 8. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Humbleness. See, when Jesus was being, was just before he was crucified, a few days before, in the garden, he, he says, God, if it's possible, let this pass by me. Let this cup pass by me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, that's humbleness. That's total humbleness. See, when we are a leader, it doesn't mean that we are the boss. In fact, we are actually a shepherd. A shepherd. And the shepherd's task is to guide and to lead the flock. We need to forsake our own will and keep his will before us, like Jesus did. As leaders, we need to guide the flock to the word of God and point the flock to Jesus because he is the head of the church. So the point is never make a mortal man your role model. But always keep Jesus as your role model. You will then become the leader that God wants you to be. Amen. Did that help anyone? Let's close our eyes and let's, uh, let's uh, ask God and thank him for this time. Ask him for help because we all need help. Yes, we all make mistakes and we, I believe God has spoken to us today. I know that he has, through his wonderful word, shown us the importance of being leaders, the importance of leading his flock to reaching out to the community, to seeing cities and nations changed. And we can do this with his help, not in our own effort, but by his help, by just saying to him, yes, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Uh, use me. Take me and guide me. This morning, I want to ask if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Because it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about this church. It's not about anything else. It's all about Jesus. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, I urge you, don't miss this opportunity to listen to His voice and surrender to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Is there anyone here? As all eyes are closed, we will... Wait for a few seconds and see if there's anyone here who wants to receive Jesus for the very first time. Yes, thank you, Jesus. about that name so precious so wonderful name above every other name 
if you want to make a commitment this morning to reconnect with Jesus feel free to come in front feel free to come and dedicate your life even if you have been even if you knew Jesus before still if you want to reconnect and say lord jesus here i am use me take me guide me feel free to come in front and we will have someone pray over you stand beside you encourage you something about that name if you need healing for your bodies feel free to come in front and we will lay our hands on you and pray for healing is anyone here the altar is open today don't lose this opportunity but come come to jesus his arms are open wide open for you ready to receive you with a smile on his face hallelujah Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all rise. Oh Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you. Father, we we thank you so much for this morning time and we appreciate you so much. Thank you for speaking to us today Lord. Thank you for reminding us of our calling. Thank you for showing us the way today through your wonderful word, through the experiences of your servant Moses and of course your son our Lord and savior Jesus Christ. Help us Lord to emulate Jesus, to take him as a role model in our lives. to be fruitful to be obedient to be humble in all that we do thank you once again we believe that you've spoken to each one of us here bless each one of us as we bring our service to a close lord be with each one of us as we depart from this place this wonderful week that you've given us we believe that it will be more blessed than the previous because you are our god you are our king we give you praise we give you glory we hope you've been inspired and challenged by this message for more information about withenshaw community church manchester please visit withenshawcommunitychurch.org